Hey, you've tuned in to the Lovely Travels podcast where we talk about all things travel and adventure. My name is Emma Lovell, also known as Lovely, and I have a mission to visit every UN-recognised country in the world while raising awareness for mental health. Join me as we revisit some of my past adventures, speak to fellow travellers and interesting locals, all while following the journey to 195 countries. I'll be joined soon by my co-pilot, Darius, in Germany. And sometimes we're even going to hit the road together. Make sure to join in the adventure by following me on Instagram, Lovely Travels. You can also join our Facebook group, Lovely Travels Community, and learn more about us at the website, lovelytravels.com. But for now, it's listening time. Travel vicariously along with us. Hello everyone and welcome to the Lovely Travels podcast. We have a different one today. It's just me. It's one of our um, rare ones with just me, but I have a bit of a story to tell and I wanted to share this one uh, personally. So this is my birth story episode. And before I start, I would like to respectfully acknowledge the Yugambeh people, the traditional owners of the land on which I work and live. And I pay my respect to elders, past, present and emerging. So, yes, here I am uh, in the Gold Coast in my home. It's 10 (laughs) o'clock, full disclosure, and my husband is currently feeding our five-month-old So our son, Finn William Quick, was born on the 12th of January, 2021. His birth date is 12121, which I think is the coolest birthday ever. (laughs) Uh, We did actually get to choose it because I had an elective abdominal birth, which I will get to. And uh, yeah, so it's a pretty unique date, uh, a palindrome if you will. And uh, that's a fun fact. Darius will enjoy that. And uh, yeah, it's birth is kind of one of the greatest journeys of all. And so although this isn't um, a travel topic, uh, Finn, my son, like I said on my pregnancy episode, Finn will be a huge part of my life and is a huge part of my life and will be coming on future travels with me. Um, you know, this podcast won't turn into just kids kids and travel, but certainly it's something we'll address and, and family travel is quite different and will be quite different to some of the travels I've done in the past. But also this podcast has a mission. Uh, my mission is to visit every UN-recognised country in the world, uh, according to the UN list, which is 193. But uh, it's also to raise awareness for mental health and to normalise talking about our mental well-being. So I do have a personal history with uh, mental illness. I've had depression and anxiety. And if you listened to my pregnancy episode, you would have heard that I I felt like I was dipping back into depression. Um, you would call it antenatal depression uh, with, with the pregnancy. I did go and see a psychologist and they said uh, they didn't think that I was quite there. Um, I have a very good awareness around my own mental health, um, sometimes maybe too aware, and that could have appeared like I I had it so 
But, you know, uh, going into the birth, uh, it was really a high probability that I could have experienced postnatal depression, which, you know, we didn't used to know about. And now it's pretty, uh, it's common. Um, it's, it is normal for some people to experience that. I don't know if we want to use the word normal, normal and natural and those words around, um, pregnancy and birth because it's, it's so unique. Though I was reading a book recently called, uh, The Motherhood, um, by Jamila Rizvi and which is brilliant by the way it's a letters from well-known Australian women to themselves um uh at, with a six-week-old so what would you tell yourself um before <laughs> or what would you tell you know reaching out to in that in the trenches um of having a six-week-old what would you have wanted to have told to yourself and it was really beautiful and loving and kind anyway in the opening of the book, in the introduction, it says motherhood is uh, the most normal thing in the world or the most common thing in the world and it's also the most unique. And that's I found that very true to my experience. You know, there's so many women who've done it, <laughs> obviously. It's how we babies get here, we people get here. But it's also no woman's story is the same no cir circumstances can be the same you could even have similar but nobody will have walked the path that you have walked or will walk and um you know your relationship with your child will be very unique so anyway because i struggled so much with the pregnancy there was a real fear in me and you know quite a concern i've heard from a number of people in my around me family and friends and even my psychologist and you know, they had a – that people were keeping an eye on me. They were ready. Um, and I actually had really good support in place for the, you know, possibility that I was going to struggle. And honestly, I thought that in having my son, I would – I would um, uh, well, my son, my child, I didn't know that – well, I did know. I knew from 20 weeks that he was a boy actually. Um, so – but I didn't know – how I was going to cope and I, I, did, I thought that I would probably enjoy him more when he was between four to six months old and actually what has surprised and delighted me and I will, I will get to, um, I'll go back a little bit, is how much I have loved and enjoyed so much of the experience and so much of him from day one um, and that's not – the case for everyone and I was very well aware that it might not have been the case for me so um, I I believed that those early weeks would be a struggle and really hard and they were in different ways that's it was unexpected um, I think it's something that you really <laughs> you don't know what to expect um, so this is my story I'm sharing it openly and honestly. I'm using language that I've learned through hypnobirthing, um, language that I feel is more um, respectful of more women's journeys. Um, if you have had a child personally, I hope that this resonates um, or helps you in some way. And if it doesn't and it's not your story, that's okay. Um I think we can try and acknowledge and respect everybody's journey as individual, everybody's choices as individual, uh, and that really we're just trying to do the best 
for ourselves, for our families, for our children. Uh, if we could all acknowledge that, I think these journeys would have been would be made a lot easier. So, if this um, is triggering in any way for you, I hope that you seek support and seek help. Um, you know, for some women, even it could be years later, years later, and hearing somebody else go through something can bring back um, those memories. So if that's you, um, journal, reach out to a friend, um, acknowledge it yourself, uh, reach out to a professional if, it, if you feel that's needed. Um, but, you know, it's okay to... Um, yeah, reflect on your story and to have your own story and um this is mine so here we go i'm going to start from the day of my son's birth so i have had chosen to have an elective well i elected to have an abdominal birth an abdominal birth in uh, most people's uh, language would be the cesarean. Uh, I choose to call it an abdominal birth because uh, you can have two types of birth. You can have a vaginal birth or an abdominal birth. They either come out the front door or the sunroof. So my son was to come out the sunroof. And I chose that early on because I, um, it's just really what I wanted. It's really what I felt was best for me. Um, some people said I could have said that I chose that because of um, I had a broken back when I was 22 and that that could have been a medical reason why. Maybe that was the way to talk about it. I didn't need that and I didn't feel comfortable with it. It could have been true, but it didn't matter. It was my choice and I live in – I'm very blessed to live in Australia, to live in a country where I have a choice. I'm very blessed to have the financial means to uh, – to have a private obstetrician because that is something that was required in order to make that choice. If it's not um, medically suggested, then, um, you know, you need to have a private obstetrician. And I also chose to have my son in a private hospital, uh, which wasn't a requirement. If you have a private obstetrician, it is possible to have a abdominal birth in a public hospital with a private obstetrician. But, um, I have heard of other women, other friends um, going through labour and ending up with an abdominal birth as well. Uh, so I chose to take the known risk and really honestly all birth is a risk. Um, I, as I said before, I really don't like the term natural. Um, there are so many things involved in the bringing of a child into the world and um, it is inherently risky and inherently dangerous to be honest um, you know it's literally life and death and it's it's hopefully most of the time life so um, to remove some of the anxiety for myself and I think mental health should be involving involved in a choice um, making that decision, knowing that all along, being able to plan as best as I could for that and be prepared mentally, it helped me a lot. And so I'd gone, I'd talked to friends, I'd gone through a hypnobirthing course with the very wonderful, the Mindful Birth Group, uh, which I highly recommend 
looking at TMBG. Uh, they're on Instagram. Brilliant. Emiliana runs that. I loved the course. I did this, the audio version. I really enjoyed having um, relaxation audios and some wonderful little mantras. I've still got one on my wall, which says, I only let in positive thoughts about birth. I read positive birth stories about abdominal births, um, learned about recovery from friends. I talked to my physios. I had a lot of things in place. That's still not to say that something could have gone wrong. Um, that's still not to say I could have gone into labor early. Uh, there's still, a, you know, so many different variations. But the plan was, and my obstetrician walked me through it very clearly, the plan was to go in very early in the morning. Um, they prep you for about an hour, get you set up in your room, take you to where the anaesthetist is. That's a hard word to say. And then, uh, then take you once you've had all that, go into surgery, and and um, that part would be very quick. And then fix me up and send me out. So, um, you know, I had sort of visualised that quite a bit. I'd, um, as I said, read about it, talked to my obstetrician, and one of the things that I really loved about my birth was the consistency of care. So having the same obstetrician throughout, uh, having and even, you know, she may not have been on call, but being able to meet other people at the same obstetrician office, uh, knowing where the hospital was and having visited there to visit the obstetrician, having done, and I was very fortunate even with COVID because some people didn't get this opportunity, but I did get to do a hospital tour. So I got to see the rooms and see where I was going to go. So I really could visualize it. They showed me where they take you through for theatre, all those sorts of things. So um, that really helped. Another thing that really helped me was having a playlist. So one of the abdominal birth, um, sorry, hypnobirthing techniques is to um, have a playlist and that playlist could be applicable for labor or for the abdominal birth. Um, and so, yeah, I made a playlist of, of songs that just made me happy. So some of the songs were definitely not, you know, all Enya and relaxation. Some of them were, uh, I had things from anywhere from Celine Dion to Bollywood to, um, reggaeton to, <laughs> to um, um, there's a new song at the moment by Sigala and James, someone lasting lover. Um, yeah, just, you know, really different music. And they were just songs that if they come on, I, they would put me at ease. And, uh, I started playing that for about four days before I, uh, went in for the surgery. So, it's a funny thing. It's it's a it's both anxiety reducing and also a little bit anxiety inducing. Knowing the date, as I said before, I still could have gone into labour, so it might not have ended up being that date. But it's a funny thing knowing tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> and, um, the day before was really, uh, really. Um, um, strange, surreal. It was kind of a normal day, but it was also like really intense. And I actually, you know, full disclosure, I cracked it pretty severely at my husband. We went out. I just really wanted a chocolate thick shake. It was just something I wanted. I don't know. Pregnancy perks. Um, 
and I had wanted to go earlier for a walk and I'd even thought about going for a walk on the beach and just hadn't happened. I just, the day just went away and I wanted some time together. I wanted to do something nice. It just really felt like that was our last day as us. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just, I just cracked it at him. We were in the car and I just said, like, why, how are you treating this like a normal day? Like today is not a normal day. This is the last day of our lives as we know it, which sounds very dramatic. (laughs) And I said it pretty dramatically, but that's how I felt. It was, it really was. It was, we would, after that day, not think the same. We wouldn't feel the same. Um, And I fundamentally believe that we are who we are. And um, I really fought fiercely during my pregnancy to hold on to my identity. Um, And I think I've done well to continue reconnecting back to me, uh, Emma, throughout. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a new chapter in our lives that was starting. And I just didn't know how, we didn't know how we were going to feel or what it was going to be like. And for me, it was that that unknown that was coming that brought up a lot of fear, but also just very realistic. I was very realistic about the fact that our lives were going to change dramatically. And, and you know, more often than not, people have said, for the better, and that, you know, you can't imagine your life without your child once you have them. But, you know, before, I, I really liked my life. I really liked the things I did, and I didn't know what, what elements would continue and what elements wouldn't. And that's not always because of what you, because you don't want things to continue. Um, sorry. Um, some things can't continue or have to change. And then sometimes you want things to change and you don't want the things that you wanted before. So again, didn't know how it was going to be. And I, yeah, had a pretty <laughs> severe talking and then, reflection and um you know they do say that it's a lot of people say it's harder for men to grasp and they haven't had the experience of growing a child uh but it was something that we struggled with throughout and and i'm very you know i have full permission of my husband to speak honestly and openly about our relationship and um what we've been through as a couple not just me and um I think it's something that isn't discussed enough, what, what a change you go through together. Um, and, yeah, so I do understand that it's harder for men to feel it, but, you know, that's also empathy. That's empathy thing. You don't, just because you haven't experienced something yourself or won't ever experience something yourself doesn't mean that you can't empathise with somebody and try to understand how they're feeling. And I think for my husband, he really, Matthew, he really was kind of like, once the baby's here and once it's happening, then it will be reality. And, and that's, you know, that's true. And regardless of how prepared you can be still, you never know how you're going to feel after. But, um, I think some more preparation and understanding of what a life change is going to be, um, could have helped us a bit more. Um, it would have certainly helped me to be not quite so aggressive. <laughs> mm. So anyway, the night before, we had everything ready. We'd had a, things 
ready. You know, I say ready in inverted commas. We're never really ready. But I had um, the room was all set. Um, bags were all packed. We had a list of things we had to pick up in the morning. Um, clothes were out that we were going to wear to the hospital. Um, house was sorted. Somebody was going to come in and stay and feed the cat and everything. Um, and my mum was going to come and stay. So that was all planned, all the instructions, you know. Um, I'm pretty organised apparently. I don't think I am, but um, apparently <laughs> I am. And, yeah, we went and sat in Finn. Well, his name is now Finn. We know that. But we went and sat in our future child's room and we I just took photos and videos of it because it was never going to look the same again. Probably a little tad messier, but it was just perfect and ready for him and I loved the way it came out and I said let's do a little video message to him it still makes me feel like crying um yeah I just said I get to see you tomorrow (laughs) you know it was so surreal like okay I'm gonna go to bed and then I'm gonna see you (laughs) and I know that happens really quickly um yeah so I have that moment that message captured in time forever and it's really beautiful. I'm glad I have that. This is the day, <laughs> day before you're born. And uh, clearly mum can't keep a straight face. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> yeah, I got your bedroom ready. Let's see you tomorrow. <laughs> We love you already. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Okay. Bye. See you soon. So it's hard to believe, but we actually did get some sleep. Um, Maybe I got like six hours. We had to be awake at four. We had to be at the hospital at five for my surgery at seven. And actually we got a text at like eight o'clock the night before (laughs) saying, and I knew I had to fast. I had to fast and actually not have any liquid, which was probably the hardest thing. I I drink quite a lot of water and I sip water through the night if I wake up. So the thought of not having anything. So from 8 PM, they said I wasn't to have anything more. So I did that. And miraculously I managed to sleep And both of us are pretty good when we have something to do at getting up. So we were straight up and got ourselves ready and had a little hug with the cat, (laughs) my first baby, first baby, T'Challa. And, yeah, really just had a moment. Um, Again, did some videos before we left, Um, left our apartment and I really took a lot of photos and videos and I've made made a um, slideshow video thing, which I might share on the page. We'll see. There's a few gruesome pics in there, so we'll see if I have to edit that. But I made a birthday uh, video and, yeah, just wanted to really document it, um, even walking down the stairs and, you know, getting to the hospital and I was surprisingly calm. And we went into the room and obviously there's nobody there. It's really easy to check in. And we parked the car and Matt's dad was going to pick it up later. And we went to our room and two nurses came and they chatted to us and helped us. And I perched on the side of the bed um, 
you know, I've got this funny photo of me. We both wore our I wore my mama bear shirt and pa- Matt wore his papa bear shirt, which are from SeaWorld with polar bears on them, which the nurses thought were hilarious and cute. And yeah, we just I had my playlist on starting to get I play did the playlist in the car actually as well. So really it's like um kind of zenning out and getting in the zone and just being calm and it was it really helped because I played those songs before so it just helped me to yeah feel in the moment and they got through the I don't know the official biz you know we even got to choose our meals for when we came out that day and they told us how we'd do our menu each day and so funny because the room the way it looked when we came in and then when they next made the room with my hospital bed in there and then it felt like I was in like three different rooms over a few days and even if I went back to see the room now, it would look surreal. Um, I don't know, so much happened in that space. So, But, yeah, they came, another nurse came. She was uh, our midwife came and actually a junior midwife who I'd met before, uh, which was cool, a training midwife. Nice to see someone I'd seen before. And they said, um, yeah, if you're ready, we'll take you in now. And it was actually earlier than we planned because I was meant to be at 7.30 and um, they said, oh, the person that was meant to be before me got moved. So let's, you know, you're ready, let's go. So um, I walked to the sort of bed area. Um, so it was the last time I walked. They weigh you as well, which was like pretty depressing. <laughs> uh, last time they weighed me before I went through and yeah last time I was gonna have that belly and a lot of people say you miss the belly I do not miss the belly (laughs) the belly contained my son I'm very happy to have my son (laughs) I don't need the belly uh but it you know it was funny you've had that for a while and it's weird how quickly you get used to not having it again I did like the firmness of it I did like that (laughs) I don't know if my belly is going to be that firm again uh we'll try but I don't think so um Yes, yeah, so I went in, they put me on the hospital bed and I was wearing my hospital gown and Matt got put into scrubs and, you know, it was very, you know, we were giggling and taking selfies and things and put on my little stockings to stop blood clots, all very glamorous. And then they wheeled me in and they started to get me, put my the cannula, the thing in your hand and met my anaesthetist. His name was James. He was South African. That's not of much importance but you know me loving the travel so I was just chatting to him a bit about South Africa and um, which was nice again I very felt very relaxed and then um, my obstetrician walked in and it was so comforting to see her face and I nearly cried and I want to cry now seeing her face um, Dr. Adriana Olog she was the best, the, just the best throughout the whole thing. She was so wonderful um, with me not enjoying the pregnancy, just so reassuring and comforting and um, acknowledging what I was going through, which really meant a lot. And so I get, had a little chat to her, which was really funny, just lying there having a bit of a chat. She's drinking tea. Again, Matt's snapping away photos. It was all, you know, I was happy. I said, just document it, take photos and, you know, if I don't like them later or if I don't want to see them, I won't look at them. But, you know, who knows, this could be the only time I ever do this, so may as well document it. And then got wheeled into theatre and 
there's so many people you don't realize there's just so many people like obstetrician assistant I think there's like three people doing the actual surgery the pediatricians there ready for the baby who was also amazing the um the midwife the midwife's the student the anesthetist the anesthetist's assistant there was another nurse who held me you know who came and held my shoulders while I got my spinal block um yeah, just so many people so they asked me if I had my music and they put that onto a speaker which is super cool and yeah as I was getting my spinal block the song infinity came on um it's like an old dance song it used to be on in the clubs and it's just so funny the nurse and the anesthetist were like oh tune <laughs> and I was like yeah I used to listen to this when I was doing running up heartbreak hill in the city to surf <laughs> running I wasn't running it was just so strange that, yeah, I'm just sitting there about to have this major thing happen and, again, having chats and pretty relaxed and, yeah, the spinal block was probably then the scariest part of it really. Um, but people had said there's two needles but you get the first needle, which is the local, and actually you feel that so that the prick hurt. But I think it was more the fear of you can't move, you shouldn't move, and so that's why they hold you. And I was bent over, curling, holding a pillow, but Matt took a bunch of photos and you can just see my face like I'm really focused and really quite concerned. And then you feel this like aching and I thought that was the, I thought I could feel the um, anaesthetist pushing around, like pushing my back, but actually that now I understand that was actually the spinal block going in. There's this big dull ache. Um but then, yeah, so quickly just the feeling goes and they lay you down and then you're on the table. They tra uh, transferred me and then I'm on the table. And the curtain went up and they started to well, they put a blanket up and they were starting to get the curtain ready and just they really moved quickly after that. Um, the anaesthetist kept talking to me the whole way through, uh, running ice over me to see what feeling I had. Um, and I just had this real pause and real moment of like we're gonna meet our baby this is it like things are never gonna be the same again and I said I might cry while I was doing this but I just looked at Matt and I started to cry and I just had to have a cry I had to let it out and um Matt was crying and the nurses were like oh you guys are so beautiful we're gonna cry too and it was just a lot of love and a lot of emotion and I'd heard that that there's a lot of love in the room and I think people are very aware that with an elective well with, with an abdominal birth they're aware that it's very serious but they also everybody's really clear on their job everybody knows what's going to happen if everything goes to plan, everybody's ready to act and, um, you know, everybody wants the best for you. Everybody wants the best outcome. They want to see a healthy baby and a healthy mom and a healthy family. So just a lot of love and it was really nice to just be able to have that moment and have a cry and just be like, wow, okay, it's going to happen. And, again, just any feelings I was having, I just kept, telling the anaesthetist what I was feeling and I was really surprised something that I didn't realize would happen I thought with the spinal block I'd feel nothing but you feel pressure so you don't feel pain um but you feel pressure so you know they're pushing on you and whatever and they kind of distract you a lot it's going on Matt was holding my hand but your arms are stretched out you've got, you've got tubes and things and 
And then, yeah, next thing I know, they're saying, okay, let's do this. Ready. And again, the music was just playing and you don't know what's going on. Um, I kept looking to Matt's face and Neithetus kept telling me what was going on. Um, not like detail, gruesome details. And I had a rule. I didn't want Matt to look. He would have liked to have looked, but I said, you know, and he said, um, yeah, I can look. I've seen like a polar bear cut open, you know, from his work. And I said, yeah, likening your wife to a polar bear is a bit, <laughs> you know, no, it's not the same. And I said, no, I don't. I don't want you to see my insides, please. So he stayed up right next to my face with me. And before we knew it, um, the obstetrician said, okay, two minutes to go, get her song ready. And that was really lovely. My One of my preferences was to have a song played and the song I'd chosen, um, not everyone's going to be a fan, but I'm a huge fan, was Celine Dion, I'm Alive. And so uh, they said, get the song ready, get the song ready. Uh, okay, 30 seconds to go, 30 seconds to go. And I was oh, it's just so weird, like knowing, and I was just looking at Matt, looking at the curtain, looking at Matt, looking at the curtain. We are going, ah, ah. Ah, ah. and then she says okay and drops the curtain and it's like literally a light shining behind him and she held him up and I saw him moving straight away which was such a relief and then a few seconds later he had he's belted out a cry and just the music playing and the light and then holding Matt and we're just bawling our eyes out and it's just like he's there he's there that's my child that's our baby it was so surreal and straight away they take him you know once they'd held him up and they got photos and one of the nurses took photos for us which was so incredible I'm so glad we did that um as I said I've, I said take them and if I don't like them later I'll I can always not look at them but they, they're really clever and they, they do this all the time. So they're really good at taking pictures. Uh, and like I said, so much love in the room. And they, they put a screen up above my, um, a TV screen up above my head. So I could watch what was happening on the table while they did the checks on Finn. Matt got to go over and, and hold his little finger and look down on him and see what was happening and, um, you know, I loved, I looked over, even though I could have looked up at the video, I love, I liked looking over to my right and seeing, seeing Matt's little finger, the finger holding Finn. And, you know, they said the whole process after like took about half an hour or 40 minutes to like stitch me up and everything. And they take you out to recovery, but I don't know, just, it's all quite a blur, but also quite clear. And again, so fortunate we, we took a video of the first time that Finn came and got put on me. So my request was to have skin to skin as soon as possible. So he'd had his little health checks and I could hear my obstetrician just saying, come on, you know, we've got to get, got to get her skin to skin. And it was really lovely to have my wishes uh, respected. And, you know, I always said whatever he needed health wise, obviously that would come first, but if I could have what I wanted, of course, it would be to have him as quickly as possible and have that moment of skin to skin. And so, you know, they wrapped him up and, and put him on me and put his little face so it was on my chest and I didn't have my arms available at that time, so they had to hold him up. Um, and just the emotion, crying, 
in the video I'm just saying I love you I love you so much and watching the video now makes me cry every time I just love I loved him I can't believe that I had that love like it shocked me and it surprised me how deeply I felt for him straight away and I said earlier in this podcast it's not the case for everybody um a bond and it was something I struggled with during the pregnancy. Sometimes people would say, you know, as soon as you see him, it will all be, or as soon as you see your baby, it will all be worth it and you'll love them right away, you know, like that, just it will all be worth it and you'll love them and, you know, as soon as they're out. And I think that's setting people up for unrealistic expectations. So I was very aware and I had a few people be quite honest and lovely to me and told me that wasn't necessarily always the case. Um, that it can take time to bond. So if that's for you, don't beat yourself up. And yeah, but that wasn't me. It was deep, deep, true love. And that's an experience you don't really, you rarely get. Um, that day just felt like that day went forever in the best kind of way. I just, and I'd made the plan of not having people come to the hospital, um, which I'm really glad we honoured and we we stayed true to. We just got to be had that day. You know, I didn't know how I was going to come out of surgery or how I was going to feel. Um, we said we'd always tell family straight away, um, yeah, because we knew they'd be worried. And there were a sort of select group of friends that I wanted to tell soonish. And that's the thing. And I didn't tell people the date. I was really strict about that, actually. Um, that was, again, a hypnobirthing tip was don't tell people the date. The due date is such a, you know, something like crazy, some very minimal percentage of babies actually come on their due date. And it's a lot of pressure and, you know, of people asking, checking in and building up and you're trying to grasp this massive thing that's about to happen. So, you know, words of wisdom to anyone who's thinking about it in the future, try not to tell your due date and keep that to yourself. Keep some things to yourself. It's really nice to have that and have some boundaries around how you want your time to be. So um, I'm really, really thankful that we had that and it was lovely to have the family come the next day. But I know some people, some families even say no people at the hospital. Again, you just don't know how you're going to be. So it's okay to change those plans as well if you feel good. But like as soon as I had him on my chest, as soon as I was being wheeled out of um, recovery, I was like, I want everybody to meet him and I love him so much and I want to share him with the world. And But I I tried to stay strong and, and I actually had a rule of not, oh, not a rule, but I decided I wasn't going to share on social media for until we were out of hospital just so that we were in the clear. And I think that was that really helped as well, just being able to share in that little family, friends, close people bubble and really um, just recover and focus on what I needed and what, what Finn needed in those early, early days. So as I said, uh, the first day of Finn's life was absolutely beautiful for me. I have thoroughly enjoyed my time with him. I have thoroughly enjoyed being a mum. I love him so much and I'm not shy about saying that and I'm totally biased. He's absolutely adorable and gorgeous and just has always been from day one such a content little boy. 
And that's what people, the word that just keeps coming up, even in the hospital, people would say, he's so content. Um, he wants for nothing, and he, but he just, yeah, just really content in himself, um, not a big crier. Um, and, yeah, even from the first night, didn't cry a lot. Uh, but he's also, people have said he's been here before. He's a, a wise, like, you know, he's, he's been here before. He's got a little wise, wise side to him, very curious about the world, very intent. Um, yeah, it's fascinating, fascinating getting to know them. Like I felt like I knew him pretty quickly but you know there's just you just get to know them more and more and as his little personality develops it's so wonderful but we ended up spending six days in hospital I will fast forward a little bit <laughs> I always knew this one would be a long one um you know we spent six days in hospital and I would just walk past his crib sometimes and cry like I know there's hormones involved and stuff but I just loved him so much you know I'd say he's so beautiful I love him so much and I'm glad I didn't put things out there too early because we actually had a few challenges. And um, the first challenge was Finn had jaundice, which is quite common. But regardless of it being common, it was the first time for me experiencing it. And to see your child or to have your child be sick um, or have something wrong with them is so upsetting. And it was on the third day that his jaundice sort of became a problem and they took him to special care. And for 24 hours, they were going to have him um, under the blue lights. And, you know, it's quite common people have had that. But to experience it for yourself and to have my – to have had this little baby, to be just getting to know him, to be holding him, cuddling him and being with him as much as I wanted to be – to have him in um, this blue light where he had to be in there for four hours, three three hours at a time, and then he got to come out for a feed, a change, and then he had to go back in. So – um, and they really encouraged us not to uh, – they encouraged us to rest during that time, but I – because I was – I chose to – oh, there's so much to say. <laughs> I chose to exclusively express, um, so I didn't want to boob feed. So I did breastfeed, I but I expressed to a bottle, expressed breast milk to a bottle, and Finn had that. Again, it was an anxiety thing for me. Um, I just – before, when I was pregnant – I was just, my head was just screaming, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. I so respect women who who choose to breastfeed and I understand that, you know, we have breasts and we make milk and that's how babies eat. But it's not, it's not always um, possible for women to do it, but it's also not as easy as they make it out or as natural as they make it out to be. It still takes work. It still takes the mother and the baby connecting and it working for both of them and there's a multitude of reasons why sometimes it doesn't work. But for me it was mentally I just couldn't get my hand around it. It didn't I, – I didn't want to. I did not want to. And after struggling so much with pregnancy and I read a great book called um, What No One Tells You, a book about the emotional um, and psychological side of pregnancy and birth and motherhood – a brilliant book, highly recommend. I'll put it in the show notes. But um, that talks about matrescence. It's the the journey a woman goes through from woman to mother. And it's like, think about it as like adolescence, like what we understand teenagers to go through. It's what a woman goes through 
when she's transitioning to being a mother and it's, and it's not just birth, the pregnancy and the birth. It's, it can be over years. Anyway, I'm in this wonderful group, the motherhood gathering run by Belinda Hahn. Learning a lot more about that and, and having understanding around it has really helped me, but making a choice that worked for me and worked for my family and worked for my, you know, child. So um, that's why I chose to express. So back to the, the point where Finn was in in the special care, I had to continue expressing uh, to keep up my milk supply and, and they said it helped to go and see him but also tried to rest. And there was one night where – I couldn't sleep. I'd, I'm lying there at 9.30. I knew he was going to be having the feed. The nurses were doing it. I just wanted to be there, but I forced myself to stay. And then because of the way your milk's coming in, my boobs were hurting. My, I guess my drugs were due for my surgery. And so I was starting to ache and I needed the toilet. And I tried to sit up and just I had this like shooting pain into my side of I guess where my scar was healing and I just felt like a hot dagger being stabbed into my side just trying to get up to get out of bed and I was crying and I called the nurse and I said like all this stuff's happening I was all you know full disclosure like backed up you know because of taking the medicine and so my tummy was all funny and it just uh, you know your body's trying to recover after growing a human <laughs> it just was so much and she said look just go down there and pump and, you know, probably the emotion will help you. And I went to stand up and then my hip gave way and my hip had been a real problem during pregnancy and I just, I lost it. I just leant over the bed and I just cried and then I went down to the special care and I stood in front of Finn's little plastic box thing that he was in it was like torture seeing him was a little little had this little little mask over his eyes under the blue light and I just cried and <laughs> just stood there and pumped and cried and <laughs> you know it was pretty hard but um you know once he came out of that so that was really upsetting for me um once he came back um you know then I Matt was being a bit strange and I I could see that he was struggling a bit. Um, again, I full permission from Matt and encouragement to talk about this. And, you know, this is this is hard. This has been the hardest part. Um, yeah, Matt was just being really, he seemed really aloof and distant and just seemed like he didn't want to be there. And, you know, it was hard for me. I'm trying to recover and... Um, I can just see it and he was doing so well with Finn and um, just something was like not right and just, I don't know, it just seemed a bit almost passive aggressive or something, I don't know, but I just wanted to talk about it and I said I said to him and it kept coming across meanly, but I said maybe you need to go home, maybe you should just go home. Um, you know, it's really hard for me. You know, I was like I've got the nurses here but it's really hard for me if, you're here and I feel like you don't want to be here. And he got really upset and I couldn't uh, just he couldn't talk and I was like, what's going on? And and then he ended up telling me that he just finally it came out and he said, I I don't I don't have a bond. I don't feel connected. And he had a fear that if he went home that he wouldn't want to come back. 
And um, I can honestly say that was one of the scariest and hardest moments of my life to see Matt upset and hurting and then to the thing that went through my brain was that he's going to leave. I'm, you know, Finn's little life flashed before my eyes. You know, I'm going to, I don't want to do this alone. And I like felt the room spin. I was just had a pan. I was having a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I was crying. And, and I just, it was, you know, I said, I thought he was going to leave me. <laughs> and he quickly said, no, 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 no. And, and you know, um, you know, said that he loved me and no, that was not a thing, but yeah, it just shocked me. It shocked me. It's, I've never been shocked like that in my life. Like it didn't, Matt was, looked great. He looked like he was doing so well. He looked like he loved Finn. He's, I've got photos of him. I've got videos of him holding him, kissing him, caring for him, feeding him, lying next to him, changing his nappy, swaddling him. He was the first one to do those things because I was in the bed the first day. So he was doing all those things and really looked like he was enjoying it. And But in the whole time he was struggling and, and later on I said, but I'm really confused. Like you're saying you don't have a bond but you look so great. And he said, if I look like a dad, if I act like a dad, then I'll feel like a dad. And... You know, I asked him if, if he was pretending for me, and um, but he said no, he was pretending for himself. Like he wanted it. He really wanted it, but he wasn't feeling it. And look, according to a brochure that we got in a um, in a hospital bag that was like all full of, you know, samples and things and brochures and things about babies, you know, the most powerful and amazing brochure I've ever seen that should be handed to, I really advocate for this, should be handed to new parents into their hand that said, look, have a read of this and we'll talk to you about it as well. Um, it was from the Gidget Foundation of Australia, uh, which is a foundation that's set up for new parents to support them with their mental health. <laughs> and it's said in it that one in five women will experience postnatal or perinatal depression which is perinatal during the pregnancy birth early parenting stage and one in 10 men one in 10 men like I didn't know that and I like I said I was so prepared for me I was so prepared for my, my struggle and, and potentially to have postnatal but I never ever expected it to be Matt I never expected him to struggle and we were not prepared for it. And, you know, I'm trying to care for this new little human and I'm also deeply concerned for my husband. Um, so we, you know, knowing that was hard, but we still kept going on. It was good to talk about it. And I actually, my psychologist reached out to me and I ended up talking to her, having a phone call in the hospital, which really helped. And we were honest with our families about, just, you know, that Matt needed some help and he went home for a day and he really hated the hospital and the hospital felt really terrible to him. For, the, for me, the hospital was helpful. Um, but we, yeah, so he went home and he came back like a new man. It was great. He was, yeah, 
was good for him to have the time at home and to reset and to come back. And then we did go home from the hospital on the sixth day. I think the breaking point for Matt was that we had to stay in another day for me. Um, I thought we'd have to stay in another day for Finn or I. I, I never really thought it was going to be five days, but um, Matt had like five days, five days, five days. And when he found out we had to stay, like it just kind of broke him and, you know, but like I said, for me, the hospital was a caring place. It helped me and, you know, I had the support with from the nurses with, you know, learning how to be a parent and mum. So we went home and that was a really tough day. Like really Matt was still struggling a lot. I was super hormonal, <laughs> super exhausted already, you know, just I think that's something that's not taught. We just had this fight like, I have not screamed and I punched a wall. I hit a wall. I screamed. I like, I've not felt that rage and that fury and that just uncontrollable, yes, emotion since I was a teenager. And that's where we again saying the matrescence like adolescence. It just takes over you and you're being pushed to your extremes, you know, and to actually to have this little person who's just completely reliant upon you. And I had no problem with, with caring for him, like doing things for him, but trying to, trying to get two people to work together and two people to navigate a life change. And I'm talking about the adults, the parents, um, whilst also, you know, Try, you know, running on little sleep and then trying to care for this little person and you're just learning minute, minute, minute by minute, minute by, by minute. And Finn was such a good sleeper. He didn't cry much. Um, his needs were pretty easily met. He took the bottle really well. He fed really well. You know, he, he's, our blessing was that he has been and, you know, someone said to me, there's no such thing as an easy baby, but he's been an easier baby. And I always thought that the baby would be the hard part. But in all honesty, that my relationship and navigating relationships, uh, family and friends, family, you know, grandparents and aunts and uncles and when you see people and how much they see and what you share and all that sort of stuff, that, that stuff is Navigating that, the mental load of navigating that, that's hard for me. That's been hard for me. But my relationship with my husband has been the hardest and seeing my husband struggle mentally has been so hard for me. I'm fortunate that he trusts me to share with me and to tell me what's going on. I'm fortunate that having had the experience of depression and anxiety myself, I have, and having had, you know, quite a bit of psychological um support counseling psychology support over the years i have language around it like I, obviously i'm not the one who could help him and i said that to him and i said straight away you need professional help i love you i support you and i'm here for you but i can't you know i can't help you in that way i can i can be here for you but um you know also <laughs> doing this massive thing so what broke us again, and this has been a longer episode than I planned it to be, so if you're still with me, um, thank you, thank you. This is a pretty big deal, so thank you, even if you have to listen in two parts. But, yeah, um, we went, we had to go back to hospital. We found out one day after being out, one day we got out at lunchtime and then the day after we had to, at 9 o'clock at night, we got a phone call 
Finn's um, jaundice levels were still high. We'd had a blood test that day and they wanted us to come back in. Um, we had to go to the paediatric unit and we we said, can't we come another day come, or tomorrow? And they said, no, we need you to come now. And so we had luckily only half unpacked, packed up the hospital bag again and, you know, I was lying on the bed crying. I called my mum, like, they're taking my baby away. They're taking my baby from me and just – I didn't just because of what happened with the special care where he had to be away from me. I just pictured again having to be in the hospital room and then go down the hall and go into a special area and it's all very sterile and very clinical and, you know, having to be kept away from him, just being able to touch him through a glass box. Like it was just heartbreaking for me. And I know that it's not the end of the world and I know that other people have been through more stuff, but for me in that moment, it was awful. And, to add on top of it, then Matthew said, only one of us can stay. And I just felt I just couldn't cope. And so when we got in there, I begged them to let Matt stay. I begged them to somehow, you know, I said, I can't, I can't do this without him. And so they said yes, and they helped us. But you know, actually quickly after being in there, I felt okay. And I'd even thought earlier in the day, you know, Matt and I had a huge fight, both just crying and broken and didn't know how this was going to work. Um, I thought, you know, maybe I just want to go back to hospital. Maybe hospital's better. Like, and so to be back there, it was like, oh yeah, this is the helping place. They can help us. You know, Finn can be taken care of and I can rest and, yeah, you know, um, so that felt good to me. But Matt just didn't look good and he was, as soon as we got in there, he curled up on the bed like it was late. We were ready to go to bed. Finn was almost ready to go to bed. And he was just crying and then we tried to, you know, trying to feed Finn and he just wasn't, I could just see he just wasn't coping and I had calmed down by then so I I took Finn and I asked the nurses to hold him and they were so wonderful and helpful. And I just said to Matt, you know, you're not okay. This is not okay and you can't be here. I had I had been lying on the bed a few minutes before with my husband on one side of me and my baby on the other, feeling like I had to choose, feeling like I, had, I could only help one of them. That was an awful feeling. And so, you know, I said to Matt, you know, you have to you have to get help and you have to help yourself. And I'm again, I'm here for you, I care for you, I love you, but I can't I care about you, but I can't care for you. Finn needs me at the moment and well, needs me always, but Finn needs me and I have to be here, be here with him. And the nurses will take care of me, but you have to go and take care of yourself. And so I begged him to, to go home because he didn't want to leave me and that's so loving and that's so lovely and such a testament to his loyalty and love for me, which I so appreciate. I'm so grateful for. But in that moment he had to care for himself. And so, um, you know, it was midnight by now. I, we called his, his lovely dad came and got him and, yeah, we were all just so emotional and so hard to know that Finn was potentially not well either. You know, even if it is jaundice, it's still 
still something, you know, still baby's still in hospital. And he went home and, you know, was and then would come back just for visits. But he wasn't coping. And he he says that too, and he didn't feel a connection, and he just was struggling, and he felt bad for not having a connection, and he felt bad for not. Um, he wanted to be there for me, but he didn't really feel much for our baby, and that was heartbreaking to him, and it was heartbreaking to me, and it's really hard, and it is common, and a lot of people wouldn't talk about it, but we want to talk about it because we don't want. We don't want other people to feel alone. I don't want other people to have to go. Well, they will go through this, but I want people to know that there's support. The Gidget Foundation are amazing. Um, Beyond Blue, are you okay? There's ways to seek help. Um, fortunately, we had an amazing pediatrician, a male pediatrician who spoke to Matt um really openly and honestly about his own experience with having his kids and just normalized it for him and said you know yeah it's hard to have a connection and you know it's a big change and it might take time and that it had taken him nine months with his kids and this is a guy who works with with children babies um you know we got straight onto my gp the gp did a mental health plan which was really important and matt was able to see a psychologist pretty quickly and, and to start working on it and i'm really proud of him he also reached out to some mates who were due to have kids pretty soon and just shared with them really openly about what he'd experienced and hoped that they didn't feel the same but just to warn them that maybe that was a possibility and if you didn't feel that way that that was okay and I was really proud of him for doing that and he told some more of his mates who have kids and just ask for help and that's really important but it's one of those things with mental health it's not it's just not a quick fix um we've he's been to see the psychologist a couple of times and we've been to see a marriage counselor as well we're doing really well um but it's just communication and just trying to keep a little baby human alive um, and take care of yourselves as well, it just takes a lot and it's such a big change and there's so much, you know, and you're tired. It's just a lot of stuff going on and I think I really wish that every new couple or every couple, sorry, every new parent couple would go and see a counsellor or psychologist we went to see a marriage counsellor before when I was pregnant as well just because I was very aware of the change and wanted to, us to be on the same page and, you know, I think that helped with some things but, you know, it's just communication. Communication helps everything and being able to talk about how you're feeling and talk about what you need and take the space that you need and it honestly probably around 10 weeks Matt really felt a connection and now he loves Finn. He loves him so much. He says it all the time. You can see how beautiful he is with him. Um, and he's, you know, and he, he always was incredible with Finn. He always was being an incredible dad, but he didn't feel it. And he had expectations of himself and that, that makes it hard. And that made it, and it made it hard for me um, as well. Honestly, I, have said before many times I didn't want to be a mum necessarily I wanted a family 
and I wanted a family with Matt and, you know, sometimes it felt like in those earlier months that, you know, and he's only five months old now, but in those earlier weeks and in those first few months, like I had the most beautiful relationship with Finn and I had these amazing moments and I just adored my time with him, but I wasn't able to share it. And Matt wasn't able to join in with me um, because he wasn't feeling it. And I feel sad about that. I feel sad for me. I feel sad for him. You know, I feel sad for, yeah, I guess I had that that view and picture of what it would be like. And, and we're getting that now. We're getting, you know, we cuddle and have mornings in bed and we cuddle all together. And, you know, Finn does something funny and we laugh and, you know, learn something and we get to talk about it and, and share it. And sharing that joy, sharing this experience is, is really important. So that's been a very long story about my birth, um, the birth of Finn William Quick. Um, but what I really wanted to highlight as well was, yeah, the that, you know, this is just a huge life change and anyone who's been through it and who anyone who's going to go through it you know it's not easy uh, different things are difficult for different people it i don't think nobody could say it's not hard it's hard it's hard in different ways though and for me it was hard our relationship has been a challenge and um you know, and, and seeing my husband be in pain and, and be in struggle and knowing what that feels like, knowing what it's like to be depressed and to, to yeah, to go to that place. So um, it's that's that's been hard. And I just want to say to anyone who's been there before, I, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. If you're going through something now and you want to reach out, please say hi. Um, but you know, obviously, of course, first and foremost, if you're in a, if you're in struggle, um, do reach out for support. Uh, Beyond Blue Lifeline. You know, in particular for if it is around pregnancy and and parenthood, uh, the Gidget Foundation is fantastic. So. Thank you for listening. Um, I will continue to share about our journey. I'll be sharing some more writings about about um, mental health and, and perinatal depression for men. Um, I'm really proud of Matt for being willing to share his story and being so open about it. I love him. I love him for that and, you know, I love him anyway. But, um, you know, he, you know, and his want to do better and his want to feel better and his want to to have that relationship with his son and, um, you know, that takes work. It all takes work. So we keep working on ourselves and uh, keep checking in. So that is it for today. Um, please reach out. Uh, you can contact on the Lovely Travels community on Facebook you can follow the Facebook page, Lovely Travels. Uh, send us a message on Instagram or, you know, go and see some photos. I'll be sharing some pretty cute photos this week um, of Finn and my family. So that's at Lovely Travels Instagram. And then the website, which is uh, www.lovelytravels.com or email us. Um, you might want to email them privately and 
share your own experience. I'd love to hear your story and um, I hope that me sharing our journey has helped you in some way. Uh, It's okay to not be okay and it's okay to have hard times and and we can do hard things as, uh, as Glennon Doyle says. So take care of yourselves, be kind, be kind to yourself and saying that over and over to myself as well and um, thank you for listening.